0: witches welcome to the lion the witch and the podcast we are two mystic leos discussing spirituality and human condition in the post-pandemic world so hop in which is for going hexing spooky spooky skeletons and shivers down spine <laughs> i don't even know the rest
1: i love that song i bopped to that song i vibed to that song
0: it's so good every time someone posts that on a reel i'm like go off dude yes i know
1: I know, I like do a little dance, like a little skeleton dance with, the hand, with my bones up in the air, just flailing. <laughs> Welcome to spooky season, everyone.
0: It's still spooky season, guys. We're like halfway through, unfortunately, but like, what can you do?
1: Yeah, but you know, it feels like every every Wednesday in spooky season is just the start of spooky season, right? Like, star. it'll never end.
0: No, yeah. it's the start.
1: Oh, it's the star, yeah, yeah. Also the star.
0: The star, <laughs> the star, the the yes, exactly, yes,
1: yes. How witchy was your spooky week?
0: Um, well, I saw the high priestess herself. You
1: fucking did. You finally fucking did.
0: I finally did, my dudes. I finally was she
1: happen. not? Was she not? Did you tell her I said hi by the way, and then I'll text her like sometime this week about like the you know the spell she asked me to do okay yeah
0: why did you think she twirled so much in gypsy
1: like we're talking about stevie nicks if you don't know yeah
0: we're talking about literally the high priestess the queen that had witch in charge like it was the supreme yes the supreme literally the supreme Mm -hmm. it was so cool to see like at her age how she takes such good care of herself and like Mm -hmm. she's so like it just was dope. Like it was at the Hollywood Bowl and Blake and I like we just couldn't believe it. We're like, wow, we're literally seeing a fucking star. Like we're seeing mm-hmm. a star and she sounds incredible. She sounds incredible. She's twirling, she's she's dancing, she's doing her thing. She had little costume changes yeah, different shawls and I Did you talk like, about her
1: blue shawl? Her blue Yeah, the OG. Doll? Yes, yep. the OG.
0: And I'm just like Oh, and then at the same time, I was like, okay, her hair looks amazing. Do I get bangs? I know. I, I know. Like, do I get bangs? I don't know. But it was so amazing to say, like, I saw her and like, who knows? Like she might tour again. We don't if know. She to- yeah, yeah.
1: Knows, I am but... very hopeful that she's gonna be continuing her touring and more touring and more touring because I love seeing Stevie Nicks. I've seen her like six times, and I will continue to see her sixteen times, twenty-six times, thirty-six times. Like we all know that you know she's immortal, so uh, we're just gonna keep seeing her for the rest of our lives. And exactly. Be great.
0: Exactly. And it was it was dope. It was so amazing. It was so cool. Like. I was so happy to finally get to see her and yeah, that was like super spooky. So can't complain. Um, mm-hmm. how uh, spooky has your week been?
1: It's been fun. I've been making lots of stock for our upcoming event at Marrakech market. So, you know, get ready to hear all about that. Cause it's going to be amazing. Um, and Uh, Not, not too spooky, but like, I feel like I've made a lot of headway in my healing journey, my mental health healing journey. I've been talking a lot about um, emotional, setting emotional boundaries with my therapist. And I'm really, really, really excited about like everything that I'm learning about myself that, you know, what I take in, what I put out, things like that. And it just feels like so amazing to like have these realizations of like, wow, I'm in control you know, and like, my trauma is not in control. And it's just so empowering. And I love my queen, my my therapist is a queen. And it's just it's like a week of empowering queens, isn't it?
0: Dude, I fucking wow. I mean, you literally texted me something today. Because you know, we 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 live chat, we rant, we fucking like go off, which is great. Mm -hmm. And you said something. And I was like, yes, bitch. I was like, <laughs> Oh my God. I was like, Oh, I can't believe like you did that. Like you said that. Cause it's been such a journey and I've seen the journey and you're putting in the fucking work and it doesn't come easy to anyone. Like it doesn't mm. come easy when you're facing your, your traumas and your past. Like it doesn't come easy. It's a lot of fucking shadow work and you have mm. to put in the work. And I've been a huge advocate of therapy for how no fucking long. Yeah. And I'm so proud of you for real. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm really proud of myself. And I think this is going to be like a new leaf of like, you know, we, we've, in, we've been talking about like kind of putting up that emotional shield, and like for everybody out there, who's dealing with emotional trauma, with toxic people, with taking things in that you shouldn't be taking in like the empathic stuff that you just want to put a barrier up against, you know, putting that like physical barrier between yourself and these toxic people or these toxic situations. And, you know, really drilling in the fact that like, you don't have to take this stuff in, you don't have to be affected by this stuff. It's hard to get there because like, we all, we all take it in, we're human. But I love the emotional shield. I love the container method that I learned from you. Just put it in the container, put it away, deal with it later come to center and ground. And I also use Guy's Garden a lot. I've been using it a lot recently when I'm like on my exercise mat and I'm grounding. This is just me like going all over the place with this, but I use the shit out of that oil because it's so fucking grounding and it's really helping my, my healing journey. So
0: oh, snaps for you, which snaps yeah. for you. I mean, that's what, Ga- isn't that what Gaia is all about is for grounding and growth? Like literally. It is.
1: And I do want to tell one last story before we jump into the episode about how well in and in real time our oils work. And you haven't heard the story. So this will be a live reaction from you. But as we know, we have released two oils for the spooky season. Our Sanderson Sisters Flying Oil and our seance ritual oil and seance in, in particular is just it's opened a lot of doors for me. You know, as a medium, as a psychic person, it has opened a lot of doors for me. One particular door was something that I did not expect when I used it. And sometimes with magic, we know that sometimes when you work spells, when you use ritual items, the outcome sometimes isn't always what you expect it to be so long story short I was using seance the one day I wear it a lot I wear it on my neck a lot my pressure points anoint my third eye anoint the back of my neck things like that and I went to my friend's house um and we were having a fondue party and there were some other people coming over for the party and my one friend said they're going to be bringing their chihuahua mix just so you know and you know anyone that knows me privately and in my private life, knows that my family lost their Chihuahua mix recently. And he was my little boy is very special to me and I still have not gotten over his death. Um, it was a very traumatic ending. And, you know, it, it's, it's even hard to talk about now. So when my friend told me that their friend would be bringing over their Chihuahua mix, I asked, what does the dog look like? just so I know I can have expectations about what's going to happen. And my other friend came in and said, oh yeah, he looks a lot like Paco. And I just started crying. I just started bawling my eyes out, just instant tears, instant tears. And it was so unexpected for everyone in the room, including myself. And I got like very surprised that I was crying that hard. Everybody else was like very uncomfortable. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I went upstairs, I gathered myself, came back down. The dog ended up coming with his parents and he was so sweet. His name was Cashew. And when I tell you that he looked exactly like the dog that I had lost, he he looked so much, the only difference was the nose color. And that was really emotional for me. But then I remembered I had anointed myself with seance that day. And that seeing this dog to me felt like a visitation from my dog because I had never gotten to say goodbye. And that's something that really kills me. And that felt very much like Paco coming back and saying, it's okay. I'm still here with you. You know, stop beating yourself up about this. So our oils don't always work as expected, but they do work. And we hear a lot of these stories all the time about everyone's success stories with them and that that was mine
0: i remember you sent me a snapchat and when i saw you showed me the dog i was like holy fuck that's paco i literally felt the same thing and i was like i wonder how sean's feeling i wonder how she's i wonder how she's doing and the fact that like you said that and you had that feeling with cashew that's just so beautiful and he is taco boy is here always he's always around and that was just the reminder of like hi it's okay yeah and that's beautiful and go get fucking our seance ritual oil because it works it works
1: like oh my god it really works like you may not be ready for it but it fucking works bro so
0: anyway (laughs) no that's beautiful and gorgeous and speaking of like I guess beautiful and gorgeous I guess I guess so um (laughs) we're talking about today some hometown spooky, like spooky, spooky shit going down in these gorgeous cities that we call home.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You and I, it's really interesting because you and I kind of grew up all over the place, you know, like you obviously have your hometown in California where you went to went to high school, you know, had all your formative years, but then you went to New York and you grew there. You grew up there. I went you to were, Philly and then You New were York. in Philly and you grew up there. And, and honestly, I wanted to add Philly to this list, but I think Philly deserves an episode of its own spooky oh, Philly yeah. at some oh, point. Yeah. So we didn't forget about Philly guys because Courtney and I both grew up in Philly as well, but you did have a huge life experience in New York. Like you found yourself in New York you know, and it's so cool because like, you're, you're now a different person than who you were from New York. And that's thanks to going back to California. Yep. And I had like a similar story, you know, I, I went to high school in Scranton. That was one, me one iteration of me moved to Philly. That was another iteration. And now I'm here in Warren County, New Jersey. That's a completely other iteration of me. So all my hometowns, Mm -hmm. you know, we can, you can have many hometowns in my opinion.
0: No, I totally agree. So this is going to be a really dope, dope episode. And there are a bunch of different resources that honestly, Mm. like, we're just not going to say. You'll just see it in the caption because there's so many. But our main resource, that very, very happy that this SIR helped us. Who helped us today, Sean?
1: Yeah, research assistance today was really in a big part provided by my partner, Zach. Um, So big thank you to Zach. He helped really categorize all of this information and put it in this doc really prettily for us. So thank you, Zach. But yeah, if you guys want to take a look at the resource list, it will be in the episode caption and it will be on our website as well. It is long, we're not going to bore you with it.
0: No, so let's just go on to um, the lovely West Coast of Los Angeles, California. Boring, yeah, spooky. Yeah. yeah. We couldn't disappoint you by starting off boring, so we're starting off slaying. The Southside Slayer was a serial killer operated in the Los Angeles County area in the 1980s and 90s, believed to be a single individual but later determined to be multiple people murdering person of color sex workers over a 30-year period in the same area. Scott Michaels of ABC News says... The murders of nearly 80 women were assumed to have been committed by the same person, but police determined they were committed by unrelated people, four or more men, with distinctly similar MOs. The killings occurred during a crime wave linked to the crack cocaine epidemic that swept through the city. Police initially believed many of the victims, often poor, drug addicted women, were targets of a serial killer known as the South Side Slayer. Using DNA evidence, Detectives reinvestigating unsolved cases from that era now believe that many of the killings attributed to the Southside Slayer were in fact the work of several men who were stalking the same area during the same time.
1: Spooky. LA is so spooky. Here's Mm. another one. With 70-plus years of sordid history, as well as some illicit scandals from the mob days under its belt, it should be no surprise that the building on Sunset Boulevard that now houses the world-famous Comedy Store is considered one of the most haunted landmarks in Los Angeles. If you're a big fan of Ghost Adventures, you might have seen them investigate this. It was a good episode. The Sunset Strip area was not under the jurisdiction of the city of Los Angeles from its beginning in 1870 until the year 1984. That's a long time. This led to the area of West Hollywood to be open for a legal activity that drew people who were interested in not only legal stage entertainment, but also the not-so-legal area of sensual entertainment, games of chance, and of course, the banned alcoholic drinks during Prohibition. Nightclubs were a convenient way to provide all three, being legal businesses that were conveniently nearby or next to not-so-legal entertainment. Organized crime groups were good at running it all. The building that is now home to the comedy store was built by nightclub developer and owner William Wilkerson in the late 30s to be a ritzy nightclub, Ciro's, for Hollywood rich and famous, offering top entertainment. For nearly 20 years, it was the premier place for famous Hollywood stars and other high profile people in the movie and TV industry to hang out and enjoy themselves. Many deaths happened at this location from rampant suicides, the deaths of young women in an unregulated basement abortion clinic and victims of violent crimes at the hands of mobsters marked this location as a dark vortex of spiritual activity. I'm gonna say that as Zach Bagans would from Ghost Adventures. A dark vortex of spiritual activity. Staff and others have been experiencing the full paranormal sports package, according to hauntedhouses.com. In 1982, Dr. Taft and his UCLA Parapsychology team came to investigate the comedy store. When they got to the backstage area of the dressing rooms, two coins fell from the ceiling. And in the basement, Dr. Taft suddenly was overcome by agonizing pain in his legs. One torture tactic of the mob was to break legs and knees.
0: So funny because so many of my friends are comics. So many yeah. of them. They always have shows there.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: I've never been. I've never been Bonkers. inside. I've been outside once. And I was like, hmm, this is kinda of weird feeling. I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. And maybe it's a good thing I haven't been in it yet because I definitely would have felt something. So Yeah.
1: <laughs> the more you know. <laughs>
0: The old Pico House Hotel opened its doors in 1870. Kiyo Pico was inspired to construct the most luxurious hotel in town. While the hotel is considered a California landmark, its dark and sad history is all-consuming. A group of Chinese men were murdered on the premises in 1871. Despite its gory past, the 82-room hotel was quite popular during the, the 1900s. Many visitors claim to have seen Don Pio Pico himself roaming the halls of the hotel, while others spot more vengeful spirits.
1: The beloved Queen Mary Ocean Liner is one of the most iconic haunted places in Los Angeles. Visitors have reportedly seen ghosts in the engine room and in the first-class swimming pool. Others have seen women in old-fashioned 1930s bathing suits roaming the decks and a young girl hugging her teddy bear. The hauntings are supposedly found on every level of the ship.
0: Which is very, very true because literally when we went to Catalina, you have to go past the Queen Mary. Like you have to go Uh past it um, because it's in Long Beach. And I remember every time I look at it, anytime I go to Long Beach and I see it, I'm like, that spooky bitch. I'm like, she's I love hearing this. This yeah. is so interesting. Yeah, especially this next one. So the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel is not only considered to be one of the top rated California hotels for the rich and famous, but also quite the spot for apparitions from the other side, which is very true. Because if you look hmm. at it, you're just like, okay, there's something going on here. <laughs> so according to alleged claims, the ghost of Marilyn Monroe haunts her old domain. Some have stated that she appears in pictures in the famous mirror in the lobby, making it one of the most haunted places in Los Angeles. Another resident of the hotel to make an unexpected surprise is one who stayed in room 928, the magnificent Montgomery Cliff. Visitors and guests of the hotel have often wondered who plays the trumpet in room 928 during all hours of the night. And to their surprise, visitors find themselves face-to-face with this talented actor. Some have claimed to witness lights and faucets turn on and off without any physically apparent person doing as well. Dun, dun, dun. LA is spooky. And if you remember last year, Mm -hmm. we did a whole like spooky episode about Los Angeles and like Mm -hmm. all the shit. And there's a lot. There is a lot of spooky shit.
1: We could never, I don't think we could ever cover the amount of spooky shit like, in just one episode that L.A. has. Like, there's so, this town has so much history and so much bloody history on top of that. It's
0: bonkers. Absolutely, fucking But also, like, it's so, sp- like, spooky and haunted because of the entertainment industry. Yeah.
1: Unfortunately, a lot of shit
0: happens in the entertainment industry, and that's kind of... There's a lot. So once again, if you want to learn more about Spooky California, listen to our last year's episode. Literally, it was almost at this exact time. So uh, Spooky California, go listen to it.
1: All right. So let's talk about one of my hometowns, Scranton, Pennsylvania. This place is another dark vortex, in my opinion. Wells Street House in Wilkes-Barre, PA was built in the 1800s. This house has seen a handful of mysterious deaths. Numerous suicides and strange deaths have dubbed this house as the area's own Amityville house. Articles ran in the Times ledger dating as early back as 1979 with the previous resident, Walker Bennett, claiming to have seen several ghostly figures and pools of blood in the living room. In one account, Bennett witnessed his daughter trip on the staircase and then mysteriously float in slow motion to the bottom and land on her feet unharmed. After enough crazy encounters, Bennett took down a wall in his bedroom only to discover a box containing a red ribbon, a human molar, and chicken bones tied together to form a cross. He also found photographs of the original owner, Augustus C. Lanning, who he believed was one of the figures he had seen within the home. Eventually, the family fled the house, leaving behind all their personal belongings, never to return again.
0: Andy Gavin's Eatery and Pub in Scranton, PA. This 1800s building opened as Andy Gavin's Eatery and Pub in 1988 and has become a beloved Scranton establishment. Customers frequent the business for their large selection of wings, sandwiches, and beers, but the establishment is also frequented by a ghost named George. He seems to have an enjoyable time playing with the customers as well as the employees. According to the staff, glasses fly off the shelves, tables get moved while no one's in the room, The bartender will put the chairs up on the table after they close and everyone has left. And when he comes back up from the basement, the chairs will be back down again because of George.
1: (laughs) So funny story about this place. So I did not live too far away from Andy Gavins. As you all probably have guessed, I was big into ghost hunting and our mutual friend who actually introduced me to Courtney, our friend Maggie, um, was my childhood friend. She was also my childhood ghost investigation partner. We had our own little ghost hunting group um, in the Scranton, Pennsylvania area. So uh, yeah, we were we were serious. We had EMF detectors. We had um, recorders. We had all kinds of. We we I believe Maggie also got a spirit box. It was it was crazy. So we begged my parents after seeing the ghost hunters episode about this um, particular eatery to go here. And we just were jittery the entire time. We were so excited. We were like, we're going to see some ghosts. We're going to get some ghosts on tape. And I actually had a little tape recorder to like one of those camcorder things like that. You like slip onto your, your hand. I'm, I'm dating myself now. It's been like a hundred years, but yeah. So we're like freaking out we're filming we have our recorders rolling and everything mind you it's it's like normal restaurant hours we're eating our dinner and we're like simultaneously ghost investigating it was it was weird so apparently george likes to make appearances or one of the ghosts likes to make appearances in the men's bathroom apparently the men's bathroom has it's like a hot spot of activity so maggie and i turn to my dad and we're like begging my dad to take our recorder into the men's bathroom and see if he can catch anything on the recorder. And, you know, my dad's like a a skeptic. He's an atheist. He's not into it, but he loves to mess with people. So he was like, yeah, I'll take your recorder in the bathroom and record some ghosts. So he grabs my recorder and my hand recorder. I still have it goes in the bathroom, and I can hear him clomping around in the recording. And all he says is, is there any ghosts in here? And some guy, I guess a urinal or a, a stall, literally went, oh, huh? <laughs> it's on the recording. That ain't George. <laughs> Are there any ghosts in here? So, uh big thanks, uh, to another research assistant, which was my father on trying to capture some, um, ghost activities, some EVPs. We did not catch anything that night. So yeah,
0: that's good.
1: (laughs) West mountain sanatorium in Scranton, PA, another place that I've gone, the West mountain sanatorium originally named the Lackawanna County tuberculosis hospital, opened its doors in 1903 as a hospital to help patients suffering from tuberculosis. During the time it was operational, it seemed to be ahead of its time in treatments. The hospital had state-of-the-art radiology and laboratory departments, its own fields and farms, an artisan well, and it was noted for its open-air treatments. The hospital closed in 1971, and the now decrepit sanatorium is filled with rumors of those who had lost their lives there that still haunt the grounds. Its remote location has attracted mischievous teenagers, who have covered the grounds with graffiti and set the property on fire, not me. It was also a hotbed for paranormal investigators, many of whom captured EVPs and ghostly images. NEPA Paranormal had a particularly odd evening there. As they were investigating a basement within the men's quarters, one investigator had asked, how did you die? As the question was asked, the team was able to smell smoke. They looked out and witnessed smoke billowing into the room and could see flames directly behind it. They ran as fast as they could to the main path of the sanatorium. Once they turned around to comprehend what they had witnessed, the fire was gone. Katie Christopher, case manager and co-founder of MEPA Paranormal States, we could still feel the smoke in our lungs, even though there was no smoke to be seen.
0: Scranton Cultural Center in Scranton, PA. The Scranton Cultural Center was originally built as the Masonic Temple and Scottish Rite Cathedral in 1930. Today, the building operates as a hotspot for regional performances and cultural events. The building is regarded as one of the most gorgeous architectural structures in northeast Pennsylvania, but it also houses a few ghostly visitors who can't help but admire it. A.C. Bernardi's book, Haunted Scranton, After Dark in the Electric City, discussed the ghost of a young girl who was the worker referred to as Sarah throughout the years many have witnessed unexplainable sights in the orchestra level of the theater or the rear balcony staff members and guests have described seeing eerie lights shadows and even a transparent image of the girl looking at the stage several paranormal groups have also investigated the scranton cultural center and have had unexplainable encounters we were in one of the mason rooms and within maybe five to six minutes the temperature dropped from 71 degrees to 65 and it was a big room says Alicia Van Duzer, member of the Society for Paranormal Research and Investigation, also known as SPRI. Van Duzer also spoke of an EVP, electronic voice phenomenon, recording her team was able to capture. We We got a voice saying what we thought as, are you speaking for us, Tyler? There was no one in our group or employee named Tyler. We found later on that Tyler is actually a Mason title, not a name. It is the person who sits outside the Mason meeting room and relays messages from the outside after a meeting has already started.
1: All right, moving on to our next area of spookiness is the East Village in Manhattan. This my is- home. I kind of feel like we both grew up a little bit here, to be honest. Like, it's a place. The East Village in Manhattan is an area that is often overlooked by paranormal enthusiasts that tend to hyper-focus on Greenwich Village or Manhattan's theater district, according to Darla Murray of the local When you consider the number of prominent settlers in the area of New York City and the neighborhood's many incarnations, the hauntings of this area should come as no surprise. Reportedly, Manhattan's most haunted house at 29 East 4th Street stands the Merchant House, home to the Treadwell family for more than 100 years, and most at the Merchant House Museum believe they never left. Many believe it is Gertrude Treadwell in particular, who is watching over the family home. Born in an upstairs bedroom in 1840, the youngest of the Treadwell's eight children, Gertrude never married and lived her entire life at 29 East 4th Street until she died at the age of 93 in 1933. She was the last member of the family to occupy the house. Since the 1930s, when the house opened to the public as a museum, strange and unexplainable happenings have been reported. Sounds, sightings, smells by staff, volunteers, visitors, neighbors, even passers by.
0: Peter Stuyvesant, the last Dutch governor of New York, or New Amsterdam, and it was called back in 1647. And was the owner of more than sixty acres of property in the East Village area, which um my area where I lived was called Stevenson Town. Mm-hmm. So, in 1672, at the age of eighty, Mister Stevenson was laid to rest. But rest he did not, according to haunted lore. Four hundred years after being interred in the floor of his private chapel on the corner of 2nd Avenue and 10th Street, now the location of St. Mark's in the Bowery Church. Mr. Simonson is said to still be seen trolling the streets of the East Village, supposedly rankled by the disturbances of his former property. He's allegedly been spotted and heard meandering along the Bowery, which was once the pathway to his mansion. It's the tapping of his wooden peg leg and cane on the sidewalk that has been attributed to a clip-clop sound.
1: All right, this one's really cool. Lurid details of a brutal murder at 31 Bond Street consumed two-thirds of the front page of the New York Times on Monday, February 2nd, 1857, according to Sam Roberts of the New York Times. A Dr. Burdell was found dead in his second-floor office on a Saturday morning in a sea of blood, strangled and stabbed 15 times, including twice in his heart. A disembodied cry of murder was supposedly uttered that Friday night, but the 10 boarders in the house insisted that they had heard nothing. Suspicion immediately fell on Emma Cunningham, a widow who ran the boarding house for Dr. Burdell, and who claimed to have married him, a claim that turned out not to be true. She was later caught up in another scam to procure a baby, supposedly their child. Marriage also provided a motive. If her claims proved valid, she stood to inherit Dr. Burdell's $100,000 estate, which is about $2.5 million in today's money. She was charged with murder, another border john eccles a tanner and mrs cunningham's reputed paramour was branded an accessory the case obsessed new yorkers for months dr burdell's own dodgy reputation contributed to miss cunningham's acquittal the mystery was never solved
0: and because the new york city theater district is basically another home to me Broadway has been a staple of Midtown for over a century, and with that history comes its fair share of hauntings. When the curtains come down, the ghost light, the only light that illuminates an unoccupied theater, stays on. So, here are five active theaters on the Great White Way that many believe are home to some paranormal patrons. Now, every theater is haunted. Every theater. So, let's get into it. The Palace on 7th Avenue was built in 1903. The Palace is one of the oldest running theaters on Broadway. It hosts its fair share of plays, musicals, and tragedy. Legend has it that in the 1950s, acrobat Louis Borsellino would attempt a tightrope walk without a net and fall to his death. While some dispute this claim saying that the high flyer was only badly injured during the fall, stagehands and actors alike believe his ghost still has a taste for the stage. Therefore, Borsellino can be seen swinging from the rafters when the theater is empty. Like any good Broadway ghost, he will let out a shriek of terror before reenacting his ill-fated final act over and over and over again.
1: The New Amsterdam on West 42nd Street, right in the heart of Times Square. The New Amsterdam is over a century old. Disney revived it in the mid-90s, and it's now home to some of the most extravagant productions around, and a Broadway ghost. First off, Olive Thomas was a Broadway chorus girl in the early 1900s known for her beauty. As a result, she caught the eye of many, including her husband, Jack Pickford. The two did not have the greatest relationship, and in 1920, they decided a trip to Paris would be the perfect cure. It never is. However, a heated exchange between the two led to Olive's tragic overdose on mercury bichloride, which is a topical ointment. Very soon after her death, reports began that Olive was walking the halls of the New Amsterdam Theatre, clad in a green beaded dress and carrying a bottle much like the one she fatefully drank from in Paris. Sightings of Olive remain steady, even as recently as 2005, since the need to perform cannot escape her, even in death.
0: The Lyceum on West 45th Street. Few American theaters as old as the Lyceum. Granted landmark status in 1974, it is the oldest continuously running theater on Broadway. Hence, it should come as no surprise that it also has a permanent phantom in the form of legendary choreographer Bob Fossey. Fosse, known for his distinct and innovative style of dance, worked with many actors and dancers over his career. One such actress was the one, the only, Cheetah Rivera. Rivera starred in 2016's The Visit, performed in the Lyceum. During the show, crew members claimed to hear strange sounds in addition to cigarette smoke coming from the balcony. Many of them assumed that it was the ghost of Fosse himself. Due to Fossey's work relationship with Rivera and his apparent love of the balcony seats, it makes sense he would choose that show to haunt. Whether or not he stays around is the question, but needless to say, as a Broadway ghost, he's got plenty of time to decide.
1: The Imperial on West 45th Street opened in 1923, and various musicals and plays have graced its stage in the last century. The most noteworthy of these shows was Billy Elliot, a musical based on the hit film, its big draw was music by Elton John and a talented group of Tony award-winning youngsters. Young girls in the show claimed that the dressing room was haunted by a strange and powerful entity who had opened and closed doors at will, and the name of that Broadway ghost, Fred. Therefore, while some believe that fame actress Ethel Merriman probably haunts the old theater, the cast of Billy Elliot will tell you a much different story.
0: And last but certainly not least, the Belasco, which I do love this theater, on West 44th Street. Finally, the most noteworthy theater on this list. David Belasco commissioned it to be built in 1907. While it is only the sixth oldest theater on Broadway, it is most likely takes the lead as far as sightings are concerned. David Belasco died in 1931 and consequently became one of the Broadway Ghosts. He is said to watch rehearsals and walk the halls whenever he pleases. Some crew members in the theater will say, good night, Mr. Belasco, at the end of each night, just to appease him. Is it
1: bringing you back?
0: Yeah, it like really is. Because you really don't realize, even like in college, like, we always said, oh, okay, the theater's haunted. The theater's haunted. We felt something. We heard some shit. <laughs> shit Shit happened. Because that's the entertainment industry. So much Mm -hmm. shit goes down and they want to stay there. And I just, I love that section. It just is dope. It really is.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, theaters are such kind of like power, like they're like places of power. Yes. You know, when I was in Greece, um, we went to this amphitheater and um, I believe it was in, it was either in Athens or Olympus. I can't really remember. But the draw of this amphitheater was that there was a sp- specific stone, it was a circular stone that you stood on in the middle of the theater at the, the very bottom. And this theater was like, there was a lot of seating. It was like hundreds of yards in the air. It was it was crazy, it was huge. When you stepped on that stone and our teacher would tell us, we, I was with a mythology group, go to the very top of the amphitheater. He stepped on the stone and that stone amplified his voice all the way up to the top. And I was like, you can't tell me that that's not fucking witchcraft. I know it's science, but it's also fucking witchcraft.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely. When I went to London and we went to the Globe, mm-hmm. like just sitting there and seeing everything, you just feel, you're like.
1: It's oh. its like a place of power. Yes, it you really feel is. the energy.
0: You re- yeah, you absolutely do. It, I mean, theaters, they're 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 beautiful they're magical
1: they're so magical so let's move on to our last section it's warren county new jersey and it's the section well it's the section that i currently live in in the dock but it's also the part of the world that i currently live in part of new jersey um warren county spooky as fuck uh we had friday the 13th filmed here over we'll talk about camp noby bosco that is like you know not too far from me um It's spooky around here. It is, this is Appalachia. This is a part of Appalachia. We are on the Appalachian Trail. There are absolutely cryptids in these woods. These woods are haunted. Like, let me tell you the things I have seen in these woods, the things I have felt in these woods, spooky. So let's get into it. Spoopy um, with one of my favorite places actually, the Jenny Jump State Forest. New Jersey's Warren County offers many options for camping and taking that picture-perfect rural weekend wonderland. But few state forests have such a macabre history as the 4,400-acre Jenny Jump State Forest, located in the town of Hope. According to local lore, the state park derives its name from an unfortunate incident involving a girl named Jenny. Legend has it that long ago, The Messini tribe of the Lenni Lenape came upon a young girl, Jenny, and her father along a mountain's edge. Feeling threatened, Jenny's father yelled to her to escape. Jump, Jenny, jump. Other sources, however, say that the name could simply be an anglicized form of the area's original Lenape name. That place is spooky. It's really spooky there. It's really quiet. You always kind of feel like you're being watched and could absolutely be animals watching you, certainly. It's spooky. It's
0: spooky. Shades of Death Row in rural Warren County, New Jersey. The darkly named Shades of Death Row has unsurprisingly accrued a number of terrifying legends and seem to be spawning more supposedly haunted locals as the years go by. No one is quite sure how Shades of Death Row got its morbid moniker, but most stories agree that the area was once known as the Shades. And after a series of fatal occurrences, the thoroughfare earned its more over-the-top reputation. However, the details of the scary stories vary. Some say that a number of murderers took place along the road beneath the overhanging trees, from which the area got its original name. According to another account, the area was once a swampy morass that harbored countless mosquitoes which led to a number of deaths due to malaria. Yet another say... The original inhabitants of the area were a band of ruthless outlaws who resided in an area they called the Shades of Death. And as they were pushed out of their territory, their final refuge was the lonely road that now bears the name of their home base. Whatever the truth, modern times may have seen the road accrue all manner of ghost stories, no doubt in part due to the ominous name and mysterious history. The pull of legend even seems to be spreading to the landmarks along the road. Today, there is a small body of water known as Ghost Lake, a man-made body of water that was given its name thanks to the spectral pillars of vapor that are said to rise from its surface. Near the lake is also a small cave known as the Fairy Hole that is rumored to be related to Native American burial grounds and witchcraft.
1: All right, Camp Noby Bosco, maybe the most famous summer camp of all time and is the deadly Camp Crystal Lake. The preferred hunting grounds of Friday the 13th's Jason Voorhees, and yes, his mother. The very first camp to stand in for the Voorhees' bloody kill zone, a still active Boy Scout camp called Camp Noby Bosco. The camp actually has a rich history well before Hollywood came calling. Located in the wilds of Blairstown, New Jersey, the town also featured in the movie. The camp was first established by the Boy Scouts in 1927 during their first season, which saw over 500 campers come to stay. Over the next few years, permanent log cabins were built and once established, the summer camp operated continuously throughout the 20th century, even during World War II. While the camp lost some of its acreage to a proposed dam project that fell through, the resulting national park land that was established instead gave them access to much more wilderness, I drove past this. Um, I actually drove through the camp once. Um, there was like an road that didn't go all the way through the camp, but it did pass through some of the camp um, during a rainstorm once, because I'm a genius. I was on my way home from seeing a friend and my maps had given me a weird way to go. It was like weird back ways. And I was like, I'm not well-versed enough in this area to disagree with maps. Our overlord Google is going to bring me home. So we're dry. I'm, well, I'm by myself driving through and I swear to God, when I drove past and through this camp, I, s- it looked like I saw a man made out of mud, just crouching down, covering his hands. And I could see like eyes that looked like seriously the color of the moon. Like hey. it was terrifying. And it was like, you know, you see things like for kind of like couple seconds and you're like, did I see what I think I saw? Yeah, like, yeah. It was, it was terrifying. So I haven't been over there since.
0: And although Clinton Road is in Passaic County, it deserves an honorable mention. There is one road in particular that we have heard more rumors and tall tales about than any other thoroughfare in the state by far. Clinton Road in West Milford, Passaic County. Rumors of bad vibes have been floating in the area since it was first settled. In 1905, J. Piercy Crayon wrote about the woods just beyond the Clinton Furnace. It was never advisable to pass through the Five Mile Woods after dark. for tradition tells us they were infested with bands of robbers and counterfeiters. To say nothing of the witches that held their nightly dances and carousels at Green Island, and the ghosts that then made their appearance in such frightful forms, that it was more terrifying to the peaceful inhabitants than wild animals that often passed.
1: One person told Weird New Jersey, The road in New Jersey that's really terrifying is Clinton Road off of Route 23 North in Western Milford. The road is well known for many mysterious occurrences and weird activity. Cross Castle, which used to be off Clinton Road, has dungeons where many bodies were found. Satan worshiping was active around Cross Castle, and the KKK was also rumored to be active in this area. Never get out of your car, especially at night, another person has said. We were at Clinton Road one night. As we went further, we saw lights, hundreds of them, on both sides of the woods, blue ones, red ones, white ones. We got so freaked out. And we went 75 miles per hour on this 35 mile per hour road. The lights would keep following us. If we stopped in the middle of the road, they would stay on each side. Suddenly, they vanished. And if UFOs and cult activity isn't enough, the cryptids might do it for you, one person says. After once through a 10-mile road, nothing had happened. So we went back and checked out a dirt side of the road. Nothing was around except for dense woods. It felt very eerie, and the trespassers-will-be-shot sign did not ease my mind. That's when I noticed something walking toward our car. All eight of us saw the same thing, an animal of some sort. We went 60 down this off-road with this animal on our back. Finally, we got back on Clinton Road and got pulled over by a cop and the animal disappeared. People say it's a hellhound or a Jersey devil. All I know is it wasn't human.
0: But if you prefer a good old-fashioned ghost story, don't worry. Clinton Road has it all. One person told Weird New Jersey. This girl was racing down Clinton Road toward Route 23 in her blue 1988 Chevy Camaro. She slammed right into the cement divider on the sharpest turn on Clinton Road and was killed instantly. If you tell someone else the story of the accident while driving down Clinton Road, you will see a blue 1988 Chevy Camaro drive by. When my friend Vince told me the story, we saw headlights in the distance. And when the car passed, we made it out to be the Camaro. And for the grand finale, a murder mystery. I've had many weird experiences up on Clinton Road, another person told Weird New Jersey. I was coming home one night with a friend, and we approached the curve located in the middle of Clinton Road. There, laying in the road, was someone in a body bag. The blood could be seen on the bag. I put the car in the verse and went back the way I came. We called the police. They found nothing. No blood. No body. No trace of spooky there's a lot of spooky shit you guys there's a lot of spooky stuff and i mean all all around but like the fact that there's this much spooky in places who fucking knows
1: yeah yeah it's it's pretty nuts that like you know these big areas that we spent a lot of time in that shaped us in so many crazy ways has so much spooky history associated with it it's creepy it's interesting and it explains a lot honestly
0: no it does and it's the perfect way to like keep going with spooky season so Mm -hmm. we hope you enjoy this episode you're gonna like our next episodes for spooky season and guess what remember this weekend sean and i will be at meraki market in Haddonfield, New Jersey mm-hmm. doing that event both days. If you need more information, we're going to be putting it on the Instagram and like DM us, ask us more questions. We'll be there. We would love to see you come smell the oils, come hang out. Like we're fucking stoked. We're stoked. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't forget our Sanderton sister and Seance oils are in the shop. You know, you know what to do. It's spooky season. Get your spooky oils. You know where to find us on Apple, Spotify, Google, the website, the Instagram, the email list. Put yourself on the email list. Also, like, give us a rating and please comment, like, on our podcast. We want to know what you, like, think about it, how much you love us because we love you so much. And, Sean, drink some blood and water.
1: Drink some blood and water, I guess. And have a great spooky season.
0: Yes. And we'll see you next week.